0: And to begin our NBA coverage for this season, I'm thrilled to be joined today by Colin Stanton. Colin is a former high school basketball coach, and he currently is a video editor who has gone viral on YouTube and Twitter by creating some of the best basketball videos out there. He has created tribute videos to the 1986 Boston Celtics, Larry Bird's Greatest Game, Stephen Curry, and probably most famously, the San Antonio Spurs. As of today, and we're recording on October 9th, 2019, the Spurs tribute video has been viewed over 1.8 million times. Colin, thank you for coming on and and joining me today.
1: Beautiful intro. Thank you, David. Thank you for having me.
0: Of course. And uh, so just kind of just for the people who don't know out there, kind of where did you grow up? And was basketball always a part of your life growing up?
1: Mm. Uh, I grew up in the Philadelphia area. Um, Yeah, basketball was a big part of my life I played throughout school and then I got into coaching and then when I got into video editing and video production I was working a lot with basketball related companies so those two were always parallel with each other
0: and so growing up in the Philadelphia area were were you a Sixers Mm -hmm. fan or was it a Villanova or some of the you know the the five colleges there was it just like a a LaSalle Mm. or St. Joe's? Mm.
1: Mm. um i grew up going to a lot of big five games at at the palestra okay um my father had st joe's season tickets so i saw a young a lot of young jameer nelson delante west um and then a few years before that like oh one sixers ai stepping over tyron (laughs) that was a lot of my childhood there
0: that's awesome and was there was there a player while, while you were growing up in the Philly area who who you kind of emulate in a way cuz you're talking about all these great guards right with Jameer Nelson and Delonte West and, and AI
1: Emulate no I mean I wasn't as good I would say later on I became like a poor man's Goran Dragić less <laughs> athletic slash Pablo Prigione, a little more pass first <laughs> with the vision
0: That's awesome and uh so, so kind of, how did you get into coaching, or how how did the coaching bug bite you?
1: Mm. Uh, both of my parents, both of my parents were Division One athletes, and they both um, got into coaching. My brother, he coaches a high school team in the Philadelphia area now, so coaching was just always around me.
0: Everyone knows it's kind of a difficult age group in a lot of ways.
1: Mm-hmm. Um. Just the relationships. Um, I mean, I really love some skill development stuff as far as guards. Um, When I was coaching high school basketball, but overall, um, relationships for sure.
0: Was there a a game or a moment that stands out from your coaching tenure as, as kind of a highlight? Um
1: no i don't think there's any one highlight but i think still you know some players still have a relationship with that that's what stands out
0: yeah that that's awesome so so kind of how so so you're coaching high school basketball and mm-hmm. then and then you've transitioned into video editing which is what kind of i feel like a lot of people know you for so 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 kind of how did that transition happen
1: yeah well, when I was coaching high school basketball around that time, I don't know if you know Alan Stein. Um, he had a company. He um, he was a big strength and conditioning coach, did a lot with uh, Nike basketball, USA basketball. Um, he had a company in the D.C. area, and he was looking for a video person. So I, um, I worked for him for several years.
0: Gotcha. And and so were you doing a lot of basketball videos for him or was it like, was, was all your focus on his company or could you kind of do your own projects as well?
1: Um, a little bit of both. A lot of it was strength and conditioning um, side type of videos. He, at the time, he was also working for uh, DeMaffa Catholic High School, Powerhouse.
0: Yeah, for in
1: sure. In the D.C. area. Um, so I was down there quite a bit. Filming those guys and, um, doing that type of stuff, but, um, sort of how the viral videos kind of began. Um, I think the first one NBA video I did that got over a million was a Ray Allen one. I think it's called Ray Allen preparation. Yeah. I don't know where it is now on the views, but it's over a million. So Allen now, Allen is a, um, he is a, Keynote speaker and an author, and he would go to whether it was like a high school top 100 camp with USA basketball. Um, he would give a lot of speeches, sort of motivational ones, and uh, he would get them recorded. So the one time he was giving a speech about Ray Allen's preparation, how he's such a professional, a perfectionist, um, and I took that audio of that speech he was giving at this top 100 high school camp. And, uh, I turn that into a, a motivational video and that's sort of, uh, there's a Steph Curry one mm-hmm. where I, he told a Steph Curry story when he was working Steph. uh, one of Kobe Bryant's Nike skills camp and Steph Curry was there. That's all another one. Um, so a few videos have came from just Allen Stein speeches that I turn into motivational Basketball
0: videos. That's awesome to to know who it was because when I'm listening to it to get pumped up or just see Ray Allen just shoot, I it's nice to know who it was. So so just going back to the beginning of that, how are you mm-hmm. just inspired in the beginning to to make that type of video about Ray Allen or Steph Curry? Because you're talking about like you have the voiceover and the speech, but then but then kind of just what motivates you to actually go through it and then make the video.
1: Well. Alan, I mean, I, I started working for Alan at that time and he had a couple of these speeches that he never released where he was talking in front of different crowds and um, he was telling stories about different players. So I thought maybe I could turn it into something, you know, have the vision to do it. So that that's how I came. I, I didn't think... Um, he didn't think either that these videos would you know reach the level of views that they ended up reaching in the end
0: yeah so so you have the you have the speeches for for the voiceover but where are you getting the actual basketball footage from
1: <laughs> uh, um, that that's the most time consuming part um for example, like the Steph Curry or Ray Allen video, those were a bit easier because um, they're modern players. So that was just YouTube, pretty much, or uh, ripping their videos or games from other places. But um, those weren't too difficult because it was modern and HD quality. So just a lot of a lot of searching for specific video clips even more searching for audio sound bites that's more time consuming than the the editing the editing is almost like the fun part and it's like I have to go out searching and hunting for these little sound bites or little video clips before I can even get in get into the editing process
0: yeah and trust me 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 and Kelly who's my co-host we've we've realized too that that the editing is is the fun part at the end of the podcast but you have to do a whole lot of work to get to the fun part. But so but so for, for people who just don't really understand or just think that these types of videos, because we're, we're in the, the, the generation now where companies like Overtime are sending all these people to every gym to videotape mm-hmm. everything and immediately uploading it. So it's just
1: mm-hmm.
0: video, boom, upload. It takes 30 seconds. So So kind of how long did the Ray Allen or the Steph Curry video take to put together?
1: they'd say over 40 hours for sure. Um, it can vary. Um, it's just a lot of searching. Um, and then once, like I said, searching for the exact video clip, um, that's sort of like getting the ingredients. You want to get this video clip. You want to get this sound bite. You want to try to find the perfect song and then mix them all together. So, um, it it's over 40 hours. Some projects take longer. Some can be a little shorter, but it's definitely time consuming.
0: Gotcha. So, so I want to kind of transition into the Spurs video in 2014,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. kind of what inspired you to, to make a video about the Spurs just in general.
1: That goes back a bit. Um, well, as far as the 2014 team, I, I mean it's the most international team in NBA history. Culture, culture and language have always been very interesting to me. International players, I've always really enjoyed watching. So that was a big uh, motivation. Um, and also just to really promote uh, team basketball, which I think it's neglected in the United States. Um, but that whole video actually started back in 2012. In 2012, um, the Spurs, they were playing really well, um, and they signed Boris Dial at the trade deadline. Um, they actually got him uh, in a buyout from uh, the Bobcats at the time. And I think 2012 the offense was becoming very much that pace and space, perimeter action. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when Boris... Uh, I could talk for a long time about the genius of Boris DL. Um, so when he joined, I think things really went to another level. Um, so 2012, in that video, the very opening soundbite to uh, the beautiful game Spurs video was Magic Johnson talking. And that was actually from um, ESPN countdown show at halftime of a Spurs playoff game 2014 against the – I mean 2012 against the Clippers. So the Spurs won the first round, second round. They swept. They were on this really big winning streak. And then in the Western Conference Finals, they went up 2 nothing against OKC. And then they lost four straight, which yeah. still – I'm puzzled by, (laughs) but a a lot of, a lot of people in 2012, a lot of that audio people were predicting the Spurs, they were going to win. So I started having the idea, maybe I would make something. And during that playoff run in 2012 and they lost, but what I did do, I did download, save and like bookmark a lot of, um, the sound bites or video clips. So then 2013 comes. Um, and I think, okay, maybe this is the time now I'm going to make the video. Um, so, same thing. I'm gathering, collecting footage, keeping an eye on it. And then the Ray Allen shot happens, and they lose in Game 7. So, then 2014 <laughs> comes around, and everything really aligned. Um, and uh, we, I released that video... Um, Right before game one of the Western Conference Finals against OKC, I was actually like a little paranoid um, from the two previous years. And I said, I'm just gonna, I'm not gonna wait till they win. I'm not gonna wait till the finals. I'm just gonna put it out right. now. It felt like the right time.
0: Yeah, that, that's also, that's one of my favorite videos. And actually, my freshman year of college, you know, you're, you're a freshman in college, you're on a team, and you're just trying to, trying to fit in and everything. And, and our captain called a team meeting. Like, at 9 o'clock at night, I'm like, oh, God, like, what's this going to be? And so we all gather at the seniors' house on, like, a random Tuesday or Wednesday. And he plays that video. And I had watched it multiple times in high school and also because my dad is a huge Spurs fan. And he, you and the, the two of you could probably talk for 10 hours about Boris Diaw. Uh, and we watched the video. It's kind of like, hey, this is kind of how we want to play. Like, if we can, obviously, we can't be like the Spurs 100%. But if we can kind of try to pick out different things from them and just kind of watching that video, that week of basically pickup was probably the best week we had of all the the preseason because guys were making the extra pass. There were guys who were trying to do the Manu, like throw it through someone's leg while they run off the court. But, but for the most part, it was guys who were playing really good team basketball. So was that also because you said you grew up in Philly, you're watching A.I., that was kind of like the opposite of team basketball in a way. he's taking 40 shots a game. That was before really my time, but did that kind of also just inspire you like you're watching a lot of the one-on-one dominant basketball growing up that that the team really just appealed to you?
1: Well, I think I think it's um I think also I think it's really the international flavor and influence. I think uh I think Popovich has talked openly about their influence. From FIBA, the EuroLeague international play, uh, that Argentinian golden, golden era team, um, that style of offense. Um, and, you know, during that 2012, 2013, 2014, uh, I was coaching at the time. My brother was coaching he would call me and be like did you see you know Boris's pass last night on that high low against Denver and stuff like that and i just started to feel more and more obligated like um i needed to make the video uh-huh. i needed to put it out
0: so so besides boris dio was there a favorite international player because i kind of loved watching marco bellinelli on those spurs teams mm. too mm. and mm. And I always felt bad for Splitter after LeBron blocked him in 2013. That he kind of got like a bad rep after that because, like, oh, yeah, this is the guy LeBron blocked. But he was always awesome, too. So, but probably my, my favorite non of the, of the big three or DL was, was Bellinelli on that team.
1: Well, I could probably give you a good 30 seconds on each player. What I would tell you about Marco you'll understand this seems like you're on my side. This is where you could, you could kick me off the podcast and think I'm crazy here. It's hard for some people to understand. So I watched pretty much all of those games during that air on league pass, Marco Bellinelli. Okay. I just want to talk about off ball movement here.
0: (laughs) Please do. Please do.
1: Okay. There is the, there's the traditional, um, you know, shooting guard, whether you're going to say like a Rip Hamilton, Reggie, or J.J. Redick, where they're just in that constant running around off of those, uh, the, the pin the pin downs or any of those type of actions where there's constant moving. Marco, a different animal. I would say, it's going to sound crazy, I have never seen anybody in my life move better off the ball than Marco Bellinelli. Wow. Um and it's just a not like those guys, not like the JJ, Rip or Reggie. It's this very effortless, just flowing, backdooring, passing, and then moving, almost like a European soccer. I never saw anybody pass and relocate better, ever, and more effortlessly. And he was just always in the right spot. Um, and I've watched Marco since then. It hasn't been the same. But I think in those few years, um, with the Spurs in in that uh, in that era, Marco's off ball movement um, just really unbelievable. It's it's hard, it's hard to describe. It doesn't make sense to people if you if that statement. I never saw anybody move better off the ball than Marco Bellinelli. But um, the passing and relocating, I just never saw anything like it.
0: That's that's awesome and. And do you have like a favorite Boris Diaw memory or moment from watching all these games? Because true basketball fans, because you, you made another one about the Spurs over the 2014 playoffs where you have a Zach Lowe sure. voiceover where he's talking about some play where basically Diaw's throwing all these this beautiful pass. And so – Watching Diaw in that finals, obviously Kawhi got it because he was guarding LeBron and he was awesome. But I kind of thought Boris Diaw should have been the MVP in 2014.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've looked into making a a Boris tribute. Um, I've never had enough resources, footage-wise, to make it. Um, And I tried to do some research. I don't think the NBA has They don't think they ever release the uh, NBA Finals uh, voting results— whether there's a second or third, I think all that's confidential because I've tried to look into it because a lot of people, like you were saying, a lot of people had Boris as possibly the MVP because it was when he was inserted into the starting lineup that they kind of really started to flow to another level. Um, so I think he was definitely second uh, in the 2014 NBA Finals voting. Um, what I probably remember most about Boris is probably... That Zach Lowe game, that was game, that was a closeout game, game six. Yeah, in OKC of the Western Conference Finals. Boris had, I think, twenty-six points that game, and he flirted with a triple double. Um he just very much dominated the game, was the X factor. As much as you know, I love that Spurs team, I was very worried always about OKC and their defensive rotation and how long and they always gave the Spurs trouble and I I thought you know they won that game in overtime um, in OKC and I thought to myself if they lost that game there was only a one day rest I'm not sure they would have won game 7 you know so I probably remember Boris the most uh, that game 6 at OKC closed that game just a uh, absolute basketball genius um I think, you know, two thousand fourteen finals, uh, LeBron was not the best passer on the floor. I think it was uh Boris Dio.
0: No, and it and it wasn't even close. I mean, it was every possession Boris Dio touched the ball. It it, it felt like the Spurs were getting a just a fantastic shot.
1: Yeah. Another underrated um, you know, passing thing, I think, you know, Manu Manu's probably uh one of my, you know, one of my uh, players I enjoyed watching the most in my life, Manu. I think people will never mention this, but I think there's a case. I think Manu was the best shoot pass, the best passing shooting guard in NBA history. I don't know who uh, would be a better case to put over him, but I think that's you know when Manu was retiring and he was getting a lot of praise, uh, sixth man and. Um, the Eurostep and a lot of his innovation, I don't think the passing was talked about enough, um, especially from, uh, from a shooting guard. I don't think anybody has been a better passer than Manu. Another interesting thing about that team in the international flavor, you could see this from Boris. I would see this from Manu a lot too. That team, the passing, they would make types of passes, especially in Manu, and Boris, they would pass at angles that I never quite saw. I think sometimes with um, international players, European players, with that soccer upbringing and influence, they'll see different through passes or angles, cross court passes that just I think a lot of people wouldn't even try or see. I think um, that's also lost and underrated with Manu and Boris, just the creative passing. It's just, um, they, they would just, they would pass at different angles that nobody, nobody else was doing.
0: And just speaking to this. Yeah. Just speaking to Manu's creativity. When, when I was in elementary and, the, and then middle school, I would go to basketball camps obviously. And then, so the camp at my school was run by our head basketball coach and because he had been coaching 20 something years and he had made connections to different NBA coaches. So, one guy who came a couple years in a row who was, I think he was, he was an assistant coach who really was kind of the, the defensive coordinator for the Celtics in the post Thibodeau era. And, you know, kids would always ask, who's the hardest guy to guard in the NBA? And Monte Ginobili would always be one of the first two or three names he mentioned. Just, just because of what he said, of just the creativity of Manu Ginobili, like you could, in theory, play perfect defense, but Manu still finds an angle that no one else sees, or he finds to 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 make a pass or to make a play for himself.
1: For sure, I, I, Zach Lowe in his piece he wrote about Manu, he just plays to a different rhythm. He's like a half a beat off than everybody else. And I watched Manu for years and years, and it wasn't until later on in his career. I never saw Manu play until 2015, actually. And I watched Manu for years and years on tape. And then when I saw him in person, I just remember that jumping out. Just the herky-jerky hesitation. Like, it, it, you, you don't really see—it doesn't get justice until you see it in person.
0: No, the for movement, sure. The movement. For it's sure. It's just different. For sure, and and he's a guy because when I was growing up, it was kind of, I I liked watching the Spurs because my dad loved them, but he was never one of the guys who stood out to me until I started playing more basketball and got to a higher level where, you kind of just realize how important just the passing was, and you and I got to see then then it really like hit me all at once like oh my god, Manu Ginobili, he's he would be the perfect teammate.
1: Yeah, and what I was saying earlier, it's it's hard to visualize. I'm speaking here, but um, like the different passing angles, just a couple things stick out. Like when you're skipping the ball side to side, one wing to the other wing, or one wing to the other baseline to the to the guy in the corner for three. I remember seeing Manu just make a two handed bounce pass doing that, which. You just never see no like never through bounds passes, or the one the famous one um, uh, against the OKC is to Danny Green when the Spurs would run that hammer play and he would kind of wrap the ball around and the ball would go out of bounds almost for a second based on the baseline pass on that Spurs hammer action, uh, just stuff like that. Nobody, yeah, <laughs> I don't think I don't think we'll see it again.
0: Yeah, for so yeah for for anyone who hasn't and who's just a fan of just beautiful passing and just creativity please watch the Manu Ginobili tribute video did because that is one of my favorite videos and one of my best friends who's coaching right now at, at Michigan that's that's one of his favorite videos ever too like it's it's just I think it's seven minutes or eight minutes with just awesome Manu plays
1: yeah a lot of that um a lot of that uh there's some of his uh, earlier stuff when he was in uh, Bologna, when he was in the Italian League. People, another last thing about Manu, especially in the United States, people have no idea how much of an absolute freak athlete Oh my
0: God.
1: he was when he was younger on, even the earlier 2000s, dunking on people, and especially you see in that, that Italian EuroLeague footage, just, just really unbelievable athlete.
0: So unbelievable actually. So how did you find that footage cuz it's so different than you're making a video about 2012 to 2014 Spurs cuz as you said it's it's modern there's so much video. How are you finding 2000 EuroLeague video to make to to put into your your Manu um, tribute?
1: A lot of digging, a lot of digging. Um, it might be on Page 31 results on YouTube videos. Um, You might have to search Emmanuel Ginobili. Um, He's referred to that more in South America. Um, Or I would do some searches in Spanish. Uh, Just try to find some different sources to try to find. There was some footage in that Manu back in mm, like 97, 98, before he even went to Italy when he was playing in the domestic top Argentinian league uh, that I got my hands on just a lot of uh, a lot of searching because I think um, you know I feel like a lot of these videos I'm going up against you know NBA entertainment you know and they have everything you could ever imagine but you know so I have to try to think how what what can I bring what can I do that's a little different that they might not be doing to stand out
0: yeah (laughs) Definitely, and you're definitely beating them too. So, 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 so I kind of want to transition into probably my favorite video, which is Larry Bird's greatest game video. Mm. I absolutely mm. love watching that because it proves kind of just, even though he said it was his best game, and and I think you have that's the one with Bill Simmons and Bob Iger talking about just how it was the best basketball game they've ever seen anyone play and what stands out to me is when bob ryan goes cuz cause, cause when you look at like the box score he didn't shoot perfect it wasn't like he had 30 40 points and and a triple double and just blew it it was like just from watching the game he was everywhere and that's kind of how i feel like people are getting lost in the people are always just looking at the numbers and not watching the game
1: for sure for sure um sort of what i what i talked about uh what I noticed about watching a lot of Marco Bellinelli is off ball pass and relocate. How that was, you know, unbelievable that 86 season, that video, um, that was game six, 1986 NBA finals. Um, before I did that, um, I made the video for the 1986 Celtics. So I was watching a ton of Larry. I probably watched 35 to 40 full, full games. Um, from from that season and before I went into it I wasn't a huge Larry Bird guy or fan Um, just like a lot of people I probably had seen a lot of you know highlights or stuff on ESPN or NBA TV but I never really watched the full game start to finish so when I went into it I was very conscious of the hype of Larry Bird, the white hype, white Jesus, all this and that. So yeah. I was going into it with some more critical eyes. Um, but, you know, you know, probably close to 100 hours later, just watching you know, the, the 30 to 40 Bird games from that 86 season, uh, I get the hype. He lived up to it. Larry, what surprised me the most, um, you know, is what you're saying how he would dominate these games sometimes even less maybe he would have 15, 18 points but he would really but he would control the tempo could dominate on both ends uh, basketball genius um, I think his presence on the boards really surprised me mm-hmm. he was very, very good offensive and defensively rebounding i did not know how good of a rebounder he was just a knack of being in the right place timing instincts and he was very um wasn't afraid to get dirty uh sticking his head in there really really tough tough as nails on the boards
0: no yeah i couldn't agree more and kind of just so you mentioned you're watching 35 to 40 full games
1: yeah, let, let me let me tell you first. So this point in my life, I'm living in San Diego, California, and to get these games, like I said, fighting against you know NBA uh, entertainment here on the internet, um, there are NBA collectors. So to get like Ray Allen, Steph Curry, 2014 Spurs, it's to get those games. It's much easier, HD, you know, modern day. You can get it. Um, with not too much of difficulty these games it was a different story so there are these collectors a lot of them are in eastern europe (laughs) um so there was a point in my life i was wiring money western union to there was a guy in ukraine who had very rare 86 celtics games there was a guy Maybe Croatian. It was the Eastern Bloc. There were two or three guys on the Eastern Bloc that had all of these games, these NBA collectors. So I was sending them money. I think it was like five U.S. dollars a game or something. Ridiculous. Um, Western Union. I was emailing them back and forth. They were telling me, you know, once they get the, the wire transfer, they'll send the games. So I get these games. It's uh, and It's a... Uh, recorded on a vhs digitalized so i get like a mp4 file so i have the boston local commercials and everything
0: <laughs> that's awesome
1: so that that was my life for a month or two how watching did all those games
0: how did you find these collectors or is it just a reddit community online or is it
1: digging digging digging, digging, digging. just a deep web you know you get into a deep web of uh searching
0: for these games yeah yeah so kind of just one question I had for you because you've watched a lot of obviously you've watched 40 games from that season and you obviously watched mm-hmm. tons of Spurs the 86 Celtics are considered either the best team ever or if not the best total passing ever at least maybe the best passing team ever mm-hmm. how do you think that they compare to the Spurs team of the 2012 like 2014 video just, just in terms of their, their passing
1: I would say a similarity that I saw was, um, 85, 85 Celtics. They lose in the finals and they're already, you know, arguably the greatest passing team at that time in 85. And then in the off season into that 86 season, they add bill Walton, you know, arguably the greatest passing big man ever. NBA MVP 1978, uh, 77. That's his best year ever. Um, historically 77 Walton's the best passing big ever sort of like a modern uh Jokic yeah um maybe even better so they add him and that kind of gave me a real parallel in my mind with when the Spurs added uh the god uh basketball genius Boris Diaw, um where it just went to another level so I think that was one similarity off the bench bringing in Walton and DL for those two it just took it to another like cerebral level Um, and it became contagious even interviews I was watching on that 86 team they're talking you know kind of when Walton joined it just went to a whole other level where they kind of even started just having fun with it um, Mm -hmm. where they'd see like you know how crazy or how many passes they could do uh, from game to game Um, but really when I was watching those games uh, it's such a crazy time machine. It's really basketball. is really a different sport looking at it in the eighties to, you know, mid 2010, um, just spacing, just really it's, literally can't even like compare the two. Um, a lot of that eighty six team, these passes, I mean, they're playing like 18 feet in, it's all inside the three point line. Um, it's, it's really a different world. Um, I mean, I would. I'd have to say the, the the Spurs overall better passing team, and I think that's just it was just more guard perimeter oriented. Where mm-hmm. eighty six, you know, McHale and Parrish and Walton, uh, even Bird was huge. Just a lot of them were bigs, um, so the spacing wasn't there
0: for um, sure. And so, kind of what a lot of people talk about now is could those teams. Because people love talking and comparing eras of could the '86 Celtics beat the Warriors of this time or the Spurs or LeBron's Heat teams? (sighs) Kind of, kind of. Where do you stand in that type of uh, sports debate television type segments of could could the teams now compete back then and and vice versa? Yeah,
1: I'm I'm not big on those segments (laughs) by the talking heads. It's just so complex. You, You really can't. You, you can't compare the two. Um, it's, it's really unfair. I mean, I would go as far as saying I think uh, maybe even a lottery team. A lottery team could beat the 86 Celtics. A present lottery team. I just think the game's changed that much where they would get ran off the floor. The game's just so much quicker. Um, defensive schemes are so much more sophisticated. Um, the three-point line it's 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 a different sport
0: almost. And so kind of just last question on the longer videos you've made.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You made a thirty for thirty parody about the Mighty Ducks. and i if if I was in charge, I would have greenlit it already. Has ESPN contacted you about making it because I think everyone knows and can agree on. As polarized as our world is today, I think everyone can come together and realize, like, this needs to happen.
1: I've seen years ago, uh, whenever, I think I might have made that, like, 2010. I do think that was the first 30 for 30 parody that was ever out. Um, I was early on Uh with that. ESPN tweeted it, like, their 30 for 30 account or ESPN. I've seen them. They tweeted it back in the day on April Fool's um about it um maybe somebody needs to contact Emilio Estevez to
0: pick
1: a big green light um it would be fascinating it would be fascinating
0: for sure and kind of so the last segment I wanted to do was just three rapid fire NBA questions for for this year is that is that good yeah go for it yeah so kind of who is your favorite team to watch nowadays with the passing and and all the international flair, like who's your team? Who's your league pass team? Mm,
1: mm. I don't think uh, no team is, you know, really, I mean, I I haven't had an emotional connection or enjoyed watching a team as much as that Spurs team. Um, I don't think there's one team concrete. Uh, I just like to float around league pass. There's a couple teams. Sacramento was kind of fun last year. A little bit. Um, I watched a good amount of the Sixers last year. No, but there's no team where I go. Ooh, the you know?
0: So, who do you think is going to win the championship this year? Who's your finals pick?
1: Um, who do you think? Who do you think is going to be in the finals? Let me go off of you here. I'll give you some criticism. Who do you think? So, what do you, I, think, what, what do you think will be the the East and West
0: finals? So. So the Eastern Conference Finals, I'm at a complete 100% bias. One of my best friends is just got hired as a in the video office for the Bucks. So I think the Bucks are going to come out of the East. I think that the Bucks will probably beat the Sixers in the East. So I said Bucks coming out of the East and then and then in the West, I think of the Western Conference Finals, I think I think I mean I I, I did have Houston, but all this controversy is Clouding them, it might be a a distraction, but, but, but I had Denver. I'll I'll say Denver and the Lakers now. And Mm -hmm. as much as I'll be rooting for Denver, I think I think LeBron and Davis come out of the West.
1: Interesting. I'm not. I'm not high. Um, very cold on Houston. I don't Mm -hmm. see it with Houston. I think I'm not very high on the Lakers either. I think out of the West, I might go with the Clippers. Um, if they stay healthy, I think. The Clippers, I'll go Sixers-Clippers-Finals.
0: Yeah, the the thing about the Lakers, I I just still, my whole life has been LeBron in the finals. And I don't know if I'm ready yet to, to bet against it, but their roster is just super weird. So I got to see it on, on the court first.
1: Yeah, I think a better question is how many, um, Frank Vogel, how, how many games does he last? Um, that'll be an interesting thing.
0: I think he in lasts. LA. I I think he lasts thirty eight. I think they they start the year like twenty two and sixteen, and LeBron sends a couple of tweets and he's out. Yeah,
1: it'll be interesting. Um, yeah, no, I think I think um, I think Philadelphia and Milwaukee. I think those two are stronger than I think. I'm, I feel more confident about those two than any two in the West. So it'll be interesting. This is the first time in a long time where. It really feels uh, it really feels open up
0: to us a handful of teams for sure. And just so the last question is: Everyone kind of loved to hate the Warriors just from the feeling of the inevitability of it all. But especially mm. before the Durant, just the way that that team could pass and move. Are we getting a, a Warriors tribute video sometime in, in the future, or or do they never really catch catch your eye?
1: Warriors. Very interesting. Um, you know, I think the Warriors, the ball movement, they got a lot of love over the past few years. It was never as appealing or tasteful to me. And I think that's just when um, because I think, you know, Steph, obviously, with how great he is, he's going to be more ball-dominant and maybe over-dribble at times, penetrate, where I think in that 14 Spurs team, I mean, you'll get end of shot clock, high pick and roll, Manu, or Tony Parker. Um, I just think there's a little more over-dribbling with uh, Steph. It wasn't like, you know, pass, 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 pass would be pass, pass, you know, Steph, hesitation behind the back, this and that. Then maybe it goes, there was a lot of When I think of them, their ball movement, a lot of um, high pick and roll. Draymond rolls. The defense blitz hard. Draymond, all the time, the offense predicated. Draymond catches it out of the pick and roll when he's rolling at the three-point line. He's either going to pass to the wing or he's going to throw a lob to the five men on the block. Um, It just wasn't... uh, I was never as high on it as... uh, some other people I did make a video um for when I was working for Alan Stein it's on the internet I don't it it flopped it flopped hard um I don't know how many views it has (laughs) it was the 2000 and whatever 16 Warriors versus the 96 Bulls I made a video about that it's not the best but I did watch about 30 full games of from the 96 Bulls season which was interesting um so uh no. I don't think there's gonna be any Warriors tribute in the future.
0: Interesting. And cause so oh, sorry, I, I said three but but last one.
1: No, Go ahead. Go ahead. Who
0: is your who who do you think is the best passer in the NBA right now?
1: Best passer in the NBA right now. That's a good question, David. Um I don't know. I think when you talk passing it's it can be complex. It can be out of position. A lot of it can do with the offense, your usage. Um, I don't know. I would say Jokic is very interesting. I haven't watched too much of him live. I've seen a lot of highlights. I would occasionally watch some late-night vendor league pass action. He's interesting where he would make unique passes similar to Boris or Manu, where it would be a different angle or... Just through a different thought process than a lot of other people. Um, He's up there. He's up there. I don't know if he's the best. Um, Yeah, I'm not sure. That's a good question. Who do you think is the best passer right now?
0: I think it's Jokic from what you were saying of how creative he is. And he's throwing passes at different angles that that, that I haven't seen a, a big guy really been able to throw uh, mm-hmm. so I think he's I think he's probably number one for me right now and then
1: his, his look offs are very very impressive I don't think I've ever seen a 7 footer look off as good as him with passes and his timing on the look off um, is very impressive which is unique
0: for sure and then and then there's still I, – I love the – just the way LeBron passes the ball still. So so I probably have them at, at one, I think, two. Uh,
1: I think LeBron's overrated as a passer.
0: Yeah, he, he is. Yeah.
1: I think he's overrated as a passer. Interesting. Um, great passer. Um, I do think LeBron kills offensive flow. He does. I think with him passing, you're kind of a pawn in his – his scheme, um, where he demands, he really slows it down. He'll really take his time, at high pick and roll, where it's either he'll hit the roll man or he'll hit one of the guys spotted up three. Um, I would say just not like as Magic and Larry were. I don't see, he's not as creative as a passer, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, He has, he has great vision, but it's, I get what you're saying. It's, it's not the, it's not like he doesn't look off the way Magic or or Bird or or Jokic does.
1: Or it's just, it's a little predictable. And this, this is where it gets a little complex for some people listening where he is a absolute great passer, but, um, It's just uh, it's just missing a little something. Where his passes, you could see another great passer do, but it won't be to the level of an all time passer. Where I could see the the passes LeBron makes, you could name several players, even to Malik currently that could replicate the passes in a sense. Mm. But it's just a great great passer. Maybe you could say a nine, nine out of ten historically passing but i don't think he's a 10 out of 10 i think he's a little overrated on the passing and my big pet peeve is really uh he kills the flow
0: well colin thank you so much for for joining me this this was awesome and and for anyone listening can who wants to check out your videos can can you give a quick plug for for where they could find them
1: i don't really have anything to plug david um you can just uh just Google or uh, YouTube search some of the videos we talked about, and they'll, they'll probably show up.
0: Yeah, for for sure. So, Colin, thank you so much. Enjoy the NBA season, and uh, hope hopefully we'll, we'll we'll get you a, f- a bunch more views on on all your videos.
1: Uh, thank you, David. I appreciate it. Enjoy the NBA season as well.
0: Thank you.